This is the Citizen of Heaven podcast number 196, Communication, Part 3. I am Hal Hammonds, and I am a Citizen of Heaven, and your embedded correspondent in Satan's world. Thanks for checking in one more time. Josh Creel and Dr. Kenny Embry are back again. You can catch them on Upward Calling, their joint podcast that is produced in conjunction with their work with the University Church of Christ in Tampa, Florida. Of course, you likely already know Kenny through his own podcast, Balancing the Christian Life. Links are in the show notes. We finish with a centuries-old parlor game and how playing it properly can enhance your marriage, your church experience, and your life in general. Say we're playing charades. I clasp my hands and open them outward, so you figure I'm talking about a book. Then I flash one finger and I lay four fingers across my forearm. One word, four syllables. Everyone starts guessing. Antigone, says the classics expert. Zephaniah, says the preacher. Benicula, says the mother of four. No, I say, when time expires, it's Cujo. You said it was one word, four syllables, they say. No, I said one word, with four letters. Everyone's frustrated. No one's coming to game night at Hal's house next month. And that's okay because I don't like idiots anyway. <laughs> Nonverbal communication is vague and subject to interpretation by its very nature. How can we get better at it on both sides of the conversation? Really, it's come by repeated exposure. I, I think one of the things that – dealing with your wife in under, an and understanding way comes through a lot of failure. When my wife and I were first married, one of the things that happened to us is, like every married couple, we started figuring out the conversations we didn't have beforehand. The trash was piling up, and she said, when are you going to take that out? And I'm like, me? I, I thought you were taking out the trash. No, no, no. You take out the trash. And eventually what, what happens to you is, is you basically come up with a set of unwritten but agreed upon rules about number one, how you're going to make this relationship work. And the same things happens with, with nonverbal communication. Uh, you know, all three of us are married. And one of the things that I know that you two diet guys don't know is when my wife is upset and you can't tell it, but I can tell it by the look in her eye. And I know if she's not saying very much, I know what she's thinking about. Nonverbal communication is very peculiar to individuals and how they decide to represent themselves. And often it's not even intentionally representing themselves. It's, this is what my wife looks like when she's upset. This is what my wife looks like when she's happy. Again, it comes with repeated exposure to the same people, which is why I think it's important for us to get together in rooms, in a geographic place, and learn one another so that you understand this is what Josh looks like when he's confused. This is what Josh looks like when he's upset. And that's the thing about any group of people. You learn through repeated exposure. And it often doesn't make any sense for you to ask them because they couldn't tell you. You just have to observe it. Nehemiah 2 begins this way. It came about in the month Nisan, in the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, that wine was before him. And I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, Why is your face sad, though you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. Then I was very much afraid. 
I don't know how many of those years uh, Nehemiah had been the cupbearer for Artaxerxes. Maybe it had been all 20. But there was something different that day. And, and so to Kenny's point, it is the repeated exposure. It is the the getting to actually know people. I refer to, you know, the face that we all put on when we go out in public and, you know, we go to worship. And even though our lives may be a mess, we that's that's the brave face. You know, we gear up, we get ready, we put the brave face on. We don't want anybody to know that 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 there's a problem. And for the most part, we do okay with that. You know, we can we can make it in the door, we can get through the foyer, we can get to our seat, and we can probably make it through a worship service and and I'm fine, you're fine, everybody's fine, have a nice day. But it's when we have the the relationships that occur you know, yes, sometimes outside the building, sometimes it's, you know, Kenny's talked about, we get four to 500 people. You're not going to know everybody in our auditorium. Hopefully, you know, the people who are sitting on the row by you, or maybe the row in front of you. And so you're talking to them afterwards. And I don't think any of us are expert enough to really hide what's going on. At least not all the time. Not in those not in those private uh conversations. I, I don't think I don't think we're good enough to do that. But that only comes with with care and concern and an actual interest in the other party. Uh and of trying to foster those relationships. Then we can begin to see what's going on with people. Sometimes I'm communicating when I don't even realize it. That can be a blessing in that we get help when we are maybe not even realizing we need help. And certainly we're not asking for help. And, and it may be that we are, we're blind to our own faults. We're blind to our own shortcomings. We're blind to our own needs. And somebody who cares about us, who knows us well, is not only aware of that, but they're eager to jump in and minister to us in that moment. And and like Kenny was saying about the about the church house or, or wherever it happens to be, lunchroom, whatever. Yeah. If we can form social bonds with one another, especially in the church, not just in the church, but especially in the church, mm-hmm. if we can form those social bonds and deepen the connections that we have with one another, we're going to get help when we don't even know that we need help. Yeah. We're going to get help when we don't want help and we're trying to avoid help. Right. Uh, we will be bombarded with help sometimes, despite our best efforts, because we have people in our lives that care. And and that's a blessing. And eventually, hopefully, if we were close enough to God, we come to realize that it's a blessing. And we quit mm-hmm. kicking against the goad, and we accept what God is trying to offer us through these relationships. I think the other thing that you have to kind of reckon with is is that there's a limit to how many people you can realistically know with any depth. I think one of the things that happens to us, we, we are in a congregation, Josh, would you say 350, 400 people on the regular, you think? Uh, it's more four to 450. Okay. So we're talking about four or four, well, let's just say for, for, for the sake of argument, 400 people. If I tried, and I'm not, I'll just be very honest about that. If I tried, how long would it take me to get to know 400 people with any depth? The answer to that is you really can't. In the social scientific circles, we talk about the Dunbar number. And the Dunbar number is 150. And the argument that, that's made with the Dunbar number is is that it's it's 
it's the Dunbar numbers is the number of people that you can have a certain level of relationship with. When you look at even Jesus, Jesus basically had concentric circles of intimacy. You had the three, you had the 12, you had the 40, you had the 120. As you start looking at it, you, you recognize that each one of them had a job, but it, they all also had different levels of relationship. And that's not bad. As a matter of fact, there's something that's very good about that. One of the things that we're doing at our congregation is basically we're having on some Sunday services, Sunday evening services, uh, people are, are, are meeting in houses. I think that is so smart because one of the things that I, I know that happens is that people get to know each other better. You're talking about learning people and learning their nonverbal cues and, and, and things like that. I think there's an advantage to basically developing really deep bonds with a few, but that does not mean that you, that you should alienate yourselves from the others, but also don't beat yourself up that you did not know that somebody else's daughter was sick. It's impossible to keep up with everybody's life, especially in a group of 400. Well, I, I would even say just not even talking about just your, you know, your local congregation, your church family. I can't keep up with the people who were instrumental in my life, but they now live 600 miles away from me and have for the last 20 years. Yeah. Kudos to the people who do maintain, you know, relationships and maintain it over time and distance. It's just not been a strong suit of mine. I, I do well to focus on the people who are right in front of me. Um, <laughs> but I think we've got to have enough grace for ourselves that we understand you grow where you're planted. Here's where I am. I, I'm not, I'm not going to try to be what I'm not. And I'm going to try to influence the people that are here. And I'm going to try to be here for the people that are here. And I'll try to utilize the opportunities that God gives me. I can't worry about everything that's that's no longer within my my sphere here. We had touched on, I think Kenny had mentioned marriages before. That should be where nonverbal cues are most obvious. Yeah. I know how my wife is feeling 10 seconds after walking in the door. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And and you should. Yeah. Uh, I think that some men, I think men are a lot worse at it than women are. Going back to the first Peter three, seven. I think that a lot of men assume, you know, this is the way I think, therefore this is the way that she thinks or that the way that she should think. If it's not verbalized, if it's not articulated, then it must not be very important. I just mm-hmm. saw a meme just this morning. A woman was complaining about men not being able to pick up the signs and and a man responded to her, well, you have two lips. They work fine. Why can't you just talk? <laughs> uh, maybe that's the problem with the communication. You're not communicating. Well, I think they're both right. I think yeah, they're, exactly. they both have a point. When we're generalizing here, is the woman needing to make sure that her communication goes through, that, the, that he gets the letter, that he gets the message? Sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Is the man obligated to except that there's more than one form of communication going on. Yes, absolutely. That's that's part of living in an understanding way. Yeah. It's so easy for us to quit on this communication process when quite frankly, I'm not sure I want to communicate. Every time I pick up the phone, something happens. I don't want something to happen. I want to sit here and watch my show. We need to get away from that. 
we live in a society in a general sort of sense where other people's needs and wishes and actions affect me in some fashion, like it or not. And especially we live in a family or in a church family where not only do their actions and inactions affect me, I don't want them to affect me. I am trying to increase my level of connection with Mm -hmm. them. And that means I need to be looking for these nonverbal cues. I need to be attuned to that sort of thing, tuned into their frequency. And if I can't get a read on that person, if I'm not picking up what they're throwing down, well, there's some relatively obvious solutions to that. They're all going to require effort and time, but you can do this. You can have lunch. You can you know, take in a movie or a ball game or whatever. There are ways to break down those barriers where the open lines of communication are broader and the nonverbal communication lines are clearer. But it has to start with wanting that communication to take place. I think the problem is, and it goes back to loving our brethren or loving anybody else as far as that goes, that level of love is not there. And therefore, the desire for communication is not there. Yeah. One of the things that's kind of in vogue now is what I call man bashing. Whatever men are doing is the wrong way to do it. And women have the right way to do it. And one of the things that I know is that men and women basically communicate differently. If you were to ask a guy what he's thinking about, I, I promise you this is probably the, the, the number one thing that he's going to say, which is nothing. The thing about it is, is what is he really thinking about? I promise you, it's nothing. But that's not the, wife, my, the way my wife thinks. Because when you look at what my wife is thinking, it's 12 things and they're all at once. And she's looking at the connections between things that I, you know, and this happens every, every morning as we're getting ready. And we're getting ready in the bathroom and she, she will basically jump from one topic to the next, to the next. And, you know, after, after so many years of being married, I kind of expect it now. Is that the right way to do it? It's the way she does it. And really one of the things that happens to me is I don't say very much in the morning. Why? Is it because I don't know how? No, I know how, but that's not the way I think. Men and women are intrinsically different. And it's not that one is right or that one is wrong, but it's dealing with people in an understanding way. I think one of the things you're talking about there, Hal, is men are usually, and this is my opinion as well, I think men are usually much more simplistic and much more linear in their thinking. That's not bad or good. That's just is. And I I think the advantage to that is men usually solve problems. And problems sometimes need to be solved. My wife's car's check engine light just went on. It's going to need to be fixed. That's something that's kind of in my realm. She expects that. She kind of expects that I'm going to fix that problem. Is that fair? I don't know. It works. It works because we understand what the rule is. The thing about communication is, You need to basically talk about the boundaries of your communication and the rules of your communication. I've told all my friends, don't email me. Please do not email me. Why? Right now, let me go over here. I've got, and I'm looking at my Gmail uh, Gmail account. I've got 41,271 unread messages. And within the last 24 hours, I've gotten 241 more. Tell me what I would do if I just triaged email. I, I wouldn't get anything else done. Don't use email. Don't email me if you want an answer. Text me. 
I think this is where we have to admit that different means of communicating have their their benefits, but they also have their failings. Um, I can keep up with a whole lot of people via text message and, you know, I never thought that as a preacher, I would spend so much time in various text threads with members, but I do. And I can communicate with, again, my Clint Eastwood gif and, and every kind of, you know, I can give a sense of, okay, here's how I'm feeling about this. But there are just some ways of communicating and with the nonverbal that, you know, if I need to have a conversation, let's have a conversation. You know, let, let's not try to do this over email. Let's not try to do this over text message or even a phone call. Yeah. Let's get together and have a conversation because I, I don't think we've ever gotten anything that's better than a face-to-face sit down. Let's talk. I think that even scripturally, Paul would write and he'd talk about how when he came to them, yeah. He knew there were some things that he could communicate via a letter, but there were some things he needed to communicate face to face. He needed to see their reaction and they needed to see his love, his care, his concern, and maybe even a little righteous indignation sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all of us have to admit there, there are ways of communicating. We're blessed with so many of them, but there are some times where certain things need to be said and they need to be said face to face and they don't need to come in any other means. Yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty pointless of us to complain about the way somebody else took something rather than focus on our own ability to communicate. I'm more and more a big fan of taking control of my world. You know, if there's something that I can do to fix the problem, that's what I want to do. It may be satisfying to some to say, well, it's their fault because they don't understand me well, or they didn't, they don't know anything about nuance or they didn't get the joke or they're in a bad mood. Okay. Maybe all of those things are true. But if I could have spoken more clearly and more directly and more kindly and avoided this entire thing, wouldn't that have been a better outcome? Right. Wouldn't it be better for me to actually communicate well rather than have somebody to blame when I don't communicate well? You've been listening to the citizen of heaven podcast. Thank you for your support. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe through your favorite podcast platform and or on YouTube. Comments, corrections, and suggestions are always welcome. Please feel free to follow me through Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, or Instagram, or check out my webpage, www.howhammonds.com. Until next time, be strong and courageous, fight the good fight of faith, and do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Hal Hammonds, the Citizen of Heaven, signing off. <laughs>